Welcome to the Mile 99 interview with your host, Jessica Harris, Mike Turner, and Greg Larkin. Enjoy this episode. We'll see you on the trails. See you out there. See you there. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Mile 99 interview. I am one of your hosts, Jessica Harris. The Mile 99 interview is a place to hang out with like-minded folks in our trail community, share our stories, successes, failures, and your deepest trail secrets. This is also the place to get the latest in local race news and find out what's going on in our community. We record live on Zoom and Facebook, one take, no breaks, and unlike the trail, what is said here is on the record. Tonight, I am joined by the best co-host in the whole world, Mike Turner and Greg Larkin. Hey, Greg, how's it going? Oh, it's going pretty well. Uh, let's see, I got home last night at 2.20 a.m. Pacific, but well, I came from the East Coast, so I was like basically pulling an all-nighter. Uh, a little bit of a delay in L.A., I was out visiting New Hampshire for a few reasons, one of which was to run a very flat and repetitive 100 miler for the first time, right near where I used to live out there for a long time in my life. So that was exciting. The ghost train trail race. How was it? Give us a little bit of details. Do you happen to have the buckle? Yeah, I do happen to have the buckle. I got the Let's buckle see right it. here. So... Got the oh, buckle. that's a pretty one. All right. So it's only my second buckle. I shouldn't say only. It's my second buckle. Like any buckle is great, right? Yeah. Um, I yeah, I did. So I did TRT three years ago. Extremely hilly, extremely hot altitude. This race couldn't have been more different than that than ever. Very flat 15 mile lap. Do it six times and then do a bonus 10 mile to get 100. I think I got 3000 feet of climbing and 100 miles. Um, Weather was perfect, uh, very dark and very lonely at night. I'll say that. Um, I had no crew, no pacer until the very last 10 miles. Um, and it was a challenge. It was a huge mental challenge for me. I will not lie. I was very undertrained as well, uh, even though I did a lot of repetitive, monotonous training out here on hard pavement most of the last few months. I was mm -hmm. still undertrained. Um, so it hurt at the end. I walked the last 15 miles, I think. Um, but you know, I still set, set a PR by two hours. So very yeah, I think you came in the 27th hour, a hundred miles. Yeah. Um, congratulations, Greg. We're so proud of you. Thanks. Yeah. It was big for me. I, I really wanted to get it done, even though I was really kind of worried about it and not feeling like tip top physical shape, but and trying to move. And real quick about that race, it is, um, the ghost train trail race and they donate a lot to the trail community is what I've seen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anybody that's interested in just even checking this thing out and there's just great conversations in there, go, go to their Facebook page. Um, yeah, they do a lot of, um, you know, fundraising and giving back to the trails. Um, I, I met people just by me wearing a Canyons hat. I met somebody who produces, um, merchandise for them, Patrick Karen, he's a sponsored runner on Solomon. And he saw my hat and recognized it. So we started talking and, and uh, hopefully he'll come out and do canyons if he hasn't already. Um, I was in kind of a state at that point. So I don't know if I was making any sense, but um, fantastic grassroots. Like I can't even stress $55 entry fee. Uh, 
Like you can't beat that. Now you buy the buckle for $50 because it's produced by somebody in the community. And, you know, the race has other prizes, um, but for $105 buckle, you know, race, they do a spaghetti dinner, all that stuff. And there's a lot of exciting, interesting things you see out there because it's very Halloween themed as well. There were thousands of, I don't know, thousands. There were a lot of pumpkins out there lighted, lit up at night. So that was really cool too. And some surprises uh, on the course. <laughs> so. Glad to see you still standing. Welcome back to California. Thank you. It's good. Yeah. Well, that's a good looking buckle. I like when your buckle has two tones. Like that's like the old yeah. school style when they actually put money and time into them. You know, yeah. a good looking quality buckle. Yeah, so, fantastic. How are how are how are we all doing? Doing good. So I'm getting ready for Rio. A couple of three weeks left. Uh, I'm using Danny Murphy's Ultra Pacer. I, I went to the website and put in my numbers and it kicked out my spreadsheet. So I'm set now. It's got to polish off everything and get it done. Nice. So I want to get into saying thank you to our Patreon members. Uh, you know, we we thank you for your memberships and uh, hope you're enjoying the ex- exclusive Patreon only content. We have we have the after show that we clip out uh, extra questions and whatever comes up. That's all put on the after show, which is on Patreon. So you can jump into there and check those out. So thank you to our newest members, Todd and Judith. We appreciate your guys' business. Also, people can support us one time through Venmo. Uh, and that's an easy way to send us a few bucks here and there if you don't want a reoccurring thing. And we appreciate that as well. So we're going to jump into some news. I'm excited because I get to do the news. Usually it's Greg's news, but I'm doing the news. So in October, Troy's, at Troy's California, he has the Gold Rush trail run which is like a 5k all the way up to a half and that's in coloma october 22nd iron man is this sunday uh just looking for volunteers you can jump down there and watch that if you're uh try curious and that kind of race the Folsom Folsom breakout blues which a lot of our trail runners like have a up to a half marathon that's october 23rd which is this sunday as well fleet feet sacramento and roseville Folsom they all have ongoing cim training programs I saw a bunch of folks out there on the Lake Natoma loop on Sunday training for that. So you can still jump in there and do programs with any of those groups as well. November, obviously Rio is coming up and they have the 50 K is back. So if you don't want to do the hundred, it's been about 10 years since they've offered the 50 K, which is exciting. Troy is doing a, something up at Sly Park at 5 K up to a 50 K, which is pretty cool. That's in November 19th. Of course, the man, the Manda run, is in Auburn, which is a, a fun one that has gone on for a while. We got like a 5K, 10K. That's a cool one. You can also get some mandarins after you're done with that. Single track running has the Wild Turkey 5K, 10K in November, which is cool. And in December, obviously, we have the lottery coming up on December 3rd, which is also fun. CIM, you know, it's always a great turnout uh, for volunteering. We're just going down and get inspired. Uh, Christmas run for Apollo's Christmas run, the 5K. Troy has a holiday jingle jog. Any town you you look up, there's a turkey trot and a jingle jog. Support something local, high school, a club. Just find one, take your family, make them go out and do a 5K, and they'll they'll like you for it. January, we got big things coming up. The resolution run is coming up January 1st. And then there's a on the 7th, there's a one uh duathlon in Folsom, and then inside trails has a. 8K to a 
up to a, what, a 50K in Auburn on the 7th. So it's a lot going on. And that is the news, Jessica. That is a lot of stuff going on. My goodness. Thank you for updating all of us. Tonight, we have some news. No, we have a new guest we're really excited about. Uh, we get to ex- talk to local legend, Bill Clements. Bill has raced some of the country's and world's hardest races, from Hard Rock to British Columbia's Fat Dog 120 to UTMB. Bill is also a paddleboard adventurer, fast packer, mountaineer, and so much more. We're going to get all into it. Welcome to the show, Bill. How's it going? Uh, it's going great. That's quite an intro. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a really great episode. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have, to, I have a lot to live up to. Who is this guy? <laughs> uh, John Travolta double is what we came up with. <laughs> I, like, but, I like that. Um, here on the show, we like to have our um, audience get to know you from the very beginning. So we're going to roll it all the way back. Where were you born and where did you grow up? So funny thing, I was actually born in Orange, California, St. Joseph Hospital. Um, but I moved back to I moved up to Sacramento when I was like, I don't know, three years old. Uh, so I grew up in Sacramento suburbs, you know, Antelope and Roseville mainly. Um and then in 2015, I moved back to Los Angeles, and um, and now I'm actually back in Orange County, <laughs> um, and I'm, I actually work uh, just like a few minutes from the hospital I was born in, so it's kind of funny how the way things work out. <laughs> that is, it's a full circle. I love that. And from all the places you travel to, for it to just be like you started here and now you're back here, it's pretty funny. Um, but in elementary school, high school, around this Northern California area, uh, were you doing any sports or any activities, any clubs? Uh, no. In fact, I actually, I kind of was a pretty sedentary guy until like I was like 28, 29. Um, I basically uh, gained a bunch of weight in my 20s. <laughs> it's kind of a, it's a, it's a familiar story, but I, I had a lot of weight gain. Um, and then I was, as I was approaching 30, I was like, you know, um, I really just need to do something here to change this. And so um, I started working out and doing stuff like P90X. And then um, funny thing is I always loved running. I, like I really loved running, but uh, I was so fat when I tried to run, like my knees would hurt. So I couldn't yeah. even run. <laughs> so I had to do a lot of elliptical for a year before. And once I dropped, once I uh, dropped, dropped a few uh, 50 or 60 pounds, then I was able to run. And I was like, holy smokes, my knees don't hurt anymore. Let's see if I can, you know, run a few more miles and then a few more miles and a few more miles. <laughs> and it go. just kind of progressed from there. Yeah. Growing up, though, did you guys do any family activities that you were really passionate about? Were you outdoorsy at all? Any family stuff that might have paved a way for your outdoorsmanness? Oh, you know, um, my... Uh, my we we take family trips to Fort Bragg and Mendocino every summer. Um, we really enjoyed that. That's probably what um, initiated my love for the ocean. Definitely going to look at tide pools when I was a kid. Um, I used to love doing that. We'd we'd walk up and down the beach. You know, we'd go down look at sand, collect sand dollars up near Fort Bragg when I was a kid. And uh, um, yeah, I love doing that kind of stuff. But funny thing, my dad was actually a little bit of a runner. He used to do like five Ks and ten Ks. And so when I was like six, seven, eight years old, he'd take me along with him and and I would try to run with him when he was doing his 5Ks and 10Ks. I would always do like the one mile kids run or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I love that. When we think about sometimes you're like, oh, I didn't do anything, but we've paid you've 
your family and you have paved a path, you know, whether you did a 50 K when you're 15, but I think that's really helpful. Is your dad still running? Uh, no, not anymore, but he's a huge hiker now. Uh, like he's a big, he's a big hiker. He's, he's hiked every peak in the Tahoe basin. Uh, wow. he does, he does castle peak like, um, twice a week and he's been doing that for like the last five years. <laughs> so, uh, and, he, and he's going to be 70 this year. My dad's going to be 70 this year. So I'm really glad he's a, he's big into hiking cause it helps keep him healthy. Yeah. So you got into running around 30 ish, got more active. So we're going to roll into some races. Do you remember your first trail race? Uh, yeah, I do. It was this race called the American Canyon 50 K. Uh, remember? Yeah, it was, it's a, it was an old race. It was like a family owned family race. This one guy, he, he would put it on every year. Um, same time every year. And that was my first race and uh, it was a 50 K. And so it was like, you know, kind of a good progression into ultra running. Right. You know, you just add five miles to a marathon, right? <laughs> Why not? Were you at that time in any clubs or any trail running communities that helped you kind of train for this or build your want to do it? Yeah, it's funny. It's funny how that works. I was in this trail. I was in this trail running. That's actually where I met my buddy Paulo, who's who's lurking right now. Uh, I was part of this trail group called Folsom Trail Runners um, back back then, like in 2011, 2012. Uh, and yeah, I met some bad influences in that group and that's what, they, that's what actually talked me into running that first 50 K. <laughs> yeah. And after your first 50 K, were you like, yeah, I'm never doing this again. Or what, what crossed your mind when you crossed that finish line? Oh, you know, uh, I, it was, it was an interesting feeling, you know, I was like, I was tired. I was like, uh, it hurt a little bit. Yeah, it definitely hurt a little bit, but I, I remember as I remember, I would always go to salmon falls trailhead. And uh, I would mountain bike there with my buddies and I'd see these runners coming out and they'd be wearing these AR 50 jackets. And I was like, Holy smoke. She guys ran 50 miles. Like I could still remember the feeling. That was such a huge thing back. You know, when I see these guys, I was like, wow, you did 50 miles. You ran 50 miles, you know? And I was like, that was at the time, that was just something that was just so far off, you know, from what you think, what I thought I could do or would be able to do. Um, but yeah, it's like, you know, like I said, it's a progression, right? As you guys know, (laughs) then, I mean, you ended up doing AR 50, like multiple years in a row right there, like, you know, right in the 2000, early 2011, 12, 13 time, time frame, that sort of thing. Yeah. It felt like a rite of passage, you know, from being, from being a NorCal guy growing up in Sacramento, Auburn area, like at the time, AR 50 felt like a rite of passage, right? You have to do, uh, AR 50. (laughs) And at the time. Uh, if you recall that was like a qualifier for states. They are 50 course before they changed the rules and, you know, made it required to run hundred K. That was one of the qualifiers back then. Right. Right. Yeah. And uh, so, I mean, you were, were you already gunning for that then? Like had you already seen Western state? Oh, heck no. I, I never wanted to run a hundred miler. I was happy to do a 50. That was my goal. I had like, I was like, you know what? I've, I've, I think I've established what I can do. I'm happy with this. I had a good time out there on the trail. There's just no way I want to suffer for 24 or more hours. No way. No freaking way I ever want to run 100 miles ever. Um, but then, can I share a real quick story? So, my um, then I ended up crewing my buddy, Kevin O'Toole, and he got into Western States. And um, he was a buddy of mine. We used to run together a lot. We shared a lot of miles together. So, he asked me to crew and pace him. 
And through that experience, I was like, you know, just being out there with all the ambiance and, you know, the craziness, you know, and, and I watched his whole journey, him training, you know, all those long runs he did to him showing up at the start, going through all the pain of like, you know, he came through, he came through Robinson flat with the gunshots on his shirt from the bloody nipples, you know, <laughs> you know, hey, you know, and then like, but like in uh resurrecting himself and then, and then finishing sub 24, just seeing that whole journey. Then I was like, okay, I want, I want, I want to taste that, you know. <laughs> yeah, you know. So, I mean, what do you, what do you think is the reason behind that? Because I mean, I have a, I, I didn't, I didn't get my first taste of it that way. I was mostly just spectating other people, you know, back in like 2015, I think, or 13 or something. Rob Carr was winning at that time, and oh yeah, the electricity of it or, or whatever. Like, what is it that you think makes people? see that and just say, Oh, I have to do that someday. Like what do you have any theories on that? Oh yeah. It's a combination of things. I think it's one, one is, is seeing, I mean, for me, it was like seeing a guy or like a regular guy that I could relate to myself and seeing him train and progress as a runner and then being able to do that. Then it was, that was a huge thing for me. I was like, well, okay, if he can do it, I can do it. Right. Mm. Mm. That was number, but then number two, as you said, that that's a perfect word to describe it as electricity, right? Just the electricity of that event, of the moment, of the journey, the st- you know, from start to finish, baby. I mean, that you know, that that race has electricity from you know mm. the shotgun going off, mm. running up the escarpment, you know, the whole the whole hundred miles is like a, an adventure, right? So it's uh yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, it's so cool. I mean, and you know, you can, you can get that with lots and lots of races too. I mean, it's, that's it's, true. Yeah. You yeah. Know, it, it's, it's great. That's what I, that's what I think a lot of us love too, is that every race you do, you sort of go through that same feeling, I think. I mean, have you experienced that like with other races as well? Uh, yeah, the, the, you know, the journey follows, it's funny. The journey follows a very similar track, no matter what race I'm doing, you know, I, and, uh, and, I don't know how other people run. I mean, I, I'm sure people are a lot better at uh, training, you know, and, and nutrition management, but my MO for a race is I'm going to run. I'm going to start out feeling really good. At some point it's inevitable. I'm going to feel bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like I don't think I've ever run a race where I didn't feel bad. I, I, you know, I bonked or had, you know, felt bad at some point during the race. So my MO is like, I go out there um, and I know that bad feelings coming. So when I'm feeling good, I just try to maximize it, <laughs> you know, run hard, run consistent, not take, take as little, take as few walk breaks as, as possible. Cause I'm feeling good. Go with it. Right. Run as much as you can. So there's less to walk later. Yeah. And then, you know, when that bonk happens, you know, just roll with it. And then, and then I always, um, Carl Messler sticks in my mind. He, he used to say, you can always unbonk. And so that's what goes through my head when I'm feeling bad. I'm like, okay, all right, Carl. I'm going to, I can unblock from this, you know, I just got to get some calories, walk a little bit, you know, <laughs> mm. eventually I'll, re- you know, I'll come back around <laughs> and that's, that's how true pretty much every race, no matter how bad I felt. That's, well, let's talk about a, a few of the races that I saw in the old uh, resume here. And I mean, you've done some really big ones that I think a lot of people aspire to. They're notable. Um, Leadville. All right. That's one, uh, hard rock, obviously. And then I think we got acquainted from, uh, one of our former guests here. Um, someone will remind me, I think the fat dog 120 out in British Columbia. So, 
I think from what I've heard, that one is also of a particularly difficult nature. So, um, you know, when you, when you sort of got into these, you know, you're, you're building up your miles and all that. And then you sit there and you look at these types of races, hard rock in particular, I mean, it's notorious. Um, what's it like to even experience something like that? Does it just everything else pale in comparison or, or what? Um, you know, um, it's interesting. So the reason why I chose each one of those races was because, um, I kind of wanted to get out of my backyard and just go, go see some different scenery, see some different mountains. You know, that was, that was my number one thing. That's, and that's one of the things I loved about running is coming from a hiking background. You know, I would day hike and do seven miles and, you know, you see some cool stuff in seven miles, but man, you know what it's like when you get into running, you can go do a 30 mile run. You see way more than those day hikers see, right? So, um, when I started signing up for races, I signed up for them. Um, a big part of it was, you know, I wanted to see some cool stuff, you know, that's, that's what I was inspired about, you know, things like UTMB. I wanted to see, you know, those, those glaciers, you know, and those, in the, in the Alps and Mont Blanc and, you know, hard rock was another one. I wanted to see the San Juans and the flowers and the, um, and the peaks out there. And that was a, that was a beautiful course. Yeah, it was hard. Um, it was probably the hardest race it's you know it's aptly named hard rock um i can tell you that you know that left me more destroyed than any other race um to date that i've had the opportunity to do that that was one um that was one killer race (laughs) just the out the the constant altitude you know that was that was a hard race do you have any like particular you know mental training that you do for these types of things because i mean you know, we all do races, they're all hard, whatever, but <laughs> yeah, like right. I say, like you get to these sort of next level ones. And I mean, I'm, I'm just trying to imagine like, yes, there's a ton of physical training, but there's gotta be some other mental things perhaps that you have to do. You know, the mental aspect, I think just comes with the training. I think, you know, a lot of times you do these, these training runs and the, and the training runs turn out to be really sucky. And I think a lot of that mental fortitude is kind of, you know, uh, built on, on, on top of those training runs, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. just, you know, cause everybody's, you know, I always have those training runs where you go out there and you, you run out of fuel or you, you get lost, you run more miles than you had to, or you, you your headlamp batteries go dead, you know, you, you end up in a storm, you know, and, uh, those, those are the building blocks of mental fortitude, I think. And then on race day, it's just all the, all, it all comes together. I think race days, you've got, you've got that adrenaline flowing, um, you're running a station to a station, you know, you have support. You just got to make it a few more miles or a few more thousand feet to the next aid station where you'll get, uh, you know, food and moral support. Uh, so, um, I think race day, a lot of times is, it pales comparison to those, those hard training runs that got you to the starting line. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, and yeah, sometimes yeah, you don't appreciate how much like, Oh, I, you know, went out and did a solo, you know, 50 K or more. And, and there's no one there to kind of pump you up or, or any of that. It's hard. It's yeah. It's uh, yeah. hard. Right. Yeah. Um, I had the, uh, idea. I, re- I read about this trail called the high Sierra trail that connected the Eastern and Western Sierras. You start in Kings Canyon and it crosses through the Sierras and draw and, and spits you out at Mount Whitney trail down at Whitney portal. And I go, oh, wow, that sounds like an epic adventure. You know, I want to do that. And uh, so it was kind of a training run, but also, you know, an adventure run. Um, but it turned out to be, you know, like a 70 odd, 70 mile or so run. And um, I 
didn't realize what a crazy run that was going to be, how long and how hard that was going to be. And that was like bonk city, man. <laughs> you know, try to, you know, I remember trying, I, I remember I was so sleep deprived, you know, 20 plus hours into that. It was like 2 a.m. in the morning and I'm cold and I, and I'm, and I'm so asleep. I'm like zombie walking. And I found this, I, I remember explicitly trying to sleep on the trail and I found this flat rock and I go, Oh, I could just finally, if I could just like rest my eyes for a second, you know? And so I sit on that rock and I put my pack behind my head and I lay down and then, um, then the cold sets in because I stopped moving. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So I couldn't even sleep. There was no, there was no option except to move on. And there was no support. Um, and back then I didn't even have a spot or a, you know, a personal locator beacon with me. I mean, there was really no option. I had to continue um, if I was going to get to Whitney portal. And, you know, so that was just one of those things you just have to keep going. Right. <laughs> what else are you going to do? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the self-sufficiency aspect of this, you know, whole thing. And, um, you know, we can run in groups, we can run in trails, we can run off trail by ourselves, whatever. Um, Do you kind of like prefer that type of modality where you're just, you're out there and like, it's all on you or does that make you nervous at all? Or, you know, what would you suggest if there was somebody like interested in getting into that type of thing? Um. No, I actually, I kind of embrace the solitude. You know, I, I, a lot of times I, um, I, there, social aspect is good, but a lot of times for me personally, I kind of embrace the solitude. I, I like going out on the trail, um, and being alone and, 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 you know, mapping out my own run and just, and just, it's just me and nature, you know? Um, so I, I always kind of embrace that aspect of it for sure. Um, mm. but if somebody else was looking into that, you know, who's kind of following the same path, um, I would say, um, you know, take some basic safety measures, you know, (laughs) like, you know, uh, you know, nowadays you can get a personal locator beacon. They're so cheap. There's, you know, they're um, so available. They work so well. Um, So, you know, definitely carry one of those. We're going to go in the wilderness and then also, you know, bring layers, bring a, bring a headlamp, bring an extra battery, you know, um, bring like an emergency bivy sack from REI. You can get like one of those little things for like 15, 20 bucks, mm. bring a catered in water filter. I mean, it's 2022. These things are readily available at your local REI and they weigh nothing. There's no reason why you should, you know, go out there unprepared and you know, potentially end up in a bad situation. Yeah. So I would say embrace the adventure, embrace the solidarity and embrace the, I mean, solitude. I mean, um, but yeah, take the basic foot, take the basic preparation, you know, <laughs> don't put yourself in a, a bad spot. Yeah, that's uh, fantastic advice, too. And I mean, maybe people can even just, you know, run a trail that they usually run in the day at night just to start the process and, and then go from there. And who knows what yeah. what uh, will happen? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, we live in such a fortunate time where, you, you know, everything's at everything's at your uh, uh, your fingertips right now. You just pull up your iPhone, you go to all trails or whatever, and you can start mm-hmm. mapping out, mapping out the next run. Yeah. Cool. So, yeah, I mean, you, you also had like a really, uh, a good string here. Um, yeah, I'm looking at, you know, Wasatch and Western States a few years back, but then this year, I mean, San Diego hundred and Vermont, I guess you did Vermont. So I had signed up for that one and, uh, right, okay. right as the pandemic hit. So I haven't had a chance to do it yet, but it's in my old backyard. So how, how did that all play out this year? Okay. So you're probably on the, you just deferred it, I guess. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. I'm, I, at this point, I don't know if it's been beyond deferred. I guess I have to go back and look. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. No, same thing. That's what, that's what happened to me. I signed up for that. That was my 2020 
run as well. Oh, okay. And, uh, yeah. So, and I, you know, and I, and I, they didn't have it. I don't think they had it or I deferred it in 2021, but 2022 ended up being the year that I finally, finally got to run it. But that was a 2020 race that Great. I didn't get done until 2022. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was a beautiful, that was a beautiful run. That was a beautiful country. Um, you know, and what I didn't realize is um, two things. And I feel stupid telling you this because, you know, that you said it's your backyard. One, I didn't realize that um, you actually run through private land uh, mm. for most of the race that's not accessible outside of the race day. Correct. So you're running on trails that are only accessible on that race day, which is really something. Um, and then two, uh, I didn't realize that there's a horse race that uh, it runs in parallel, which I guess is one of the big things. So, you know, it was, it was amazing. I'm going out there and my competitors are, you know, women on horses, <laughs> you know, running by me. <laughs> and I go, well, this is something else. There, there was one horseback rider that um, I was leapfrogging through quite, quite a bit through the race, but they would, they would have to t- stop and take care of the horses at certain moments. So she'd stop and then she'd be there for 45 minutes to an hour and I'd continue on, but then she'd come back and pass me um so yeah that was something else that was something else but it's beautiful country man beautiful country i i love the green and the and the trees the aspens and the oh man it was it was such a beautiful gorgeous run yeah 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 Yeah. it's it's uh it's so different than out here you know and i think it's it's great for anybody that lives out here like go go try something out there it's just different you know that's Uh, fantastic i was i was pretty fortunate because i understand that humidity can get pretty uh rough out there um, and I, you know, I just had a very lucky day that the, and it was actually really humid the days leading up to that race, but race day, guess what? It was beautiful, man. <laughs> that oh. was fortunate for me. Cause I would have, I would have probably died in that humidity. But, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is a huge factor out there. And I sometimes forget, and it wasn't humid when I was just there this past week at all. Cause it's, you know, fall, summertime. Oh yeah. Uh, okay. you go for a run and you're drenched in about a minute. So. <laughs> and you know, I really wish they would I really wish they would offer that race in the fall because I would love to combine the race, but being able to see all the fall foliage and, and uh colors, you know, at this time at that time of year. I would because I love the covered bridges, those were really beautiful. Um if they think they could just do that race like in October, man, wouldn't that be fantastic? <laughs> hey, uh, you know, if they don't, uh go check out that ghost train nice and flat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hey, you know, I might, I might. <laughs> it's, I'll tell you what, like there's, I mean, anyway, for me anyway, there's no easy hundred and that was not an easy one, even though it was, no, no, he's not. there's a lot of running and, and, involved. In fact, the flat hundreds, I think are like, um, in some ways harder than, you know, like a hilly hundred, right? That's when the mental fortitude you're asking about comes into play, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thanks for taking us through, uh, through those, uh, races at, um, yeah. the adventurous spirit. I think that's great. I think we can all kind of just identify with that. And that's a lot of why we do what we do. Yeah. And it's, you know, and it's funny to talk, just bring, bring Western States back into the equation. It's funny. Cause yeah, after, you know, after my experience with Kevin, you know, and running Western States, I w- that was on my radar. That's what I really wanted to run, but you know, with the lottery process, you have to, you know, qualify each year. Right. And that was really what, you know, motivated me to run all those hundreds. I was like, okay, I didn't get in the States this year. Well, I'm going to go run another beautiful hundred somewhere else, you know, and then accumulate my tickets. So eventually, hopefully, I'll be able to run States one day. Um, so that was kind of, you know, 
what motivated me and drove me to run all those other fantastic races. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah that's great. Yeah. Cause a lot of us, I mean, myself included, I'd say like, Oh, maybe I'll just run this one up, up the road or wherever. And it's just easy yeah. logistically, but you can get a lot out of these other ones too. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's uh, I like your stories about your, you know, your, bringing in your backpack into your long races, you know, and we have a section later, we're going to, cause you've done some pretty impressive fast packing and hiking stuff. So we're going to get into that. But one thing I know it's good for hiking and fast packing is good socks. That's the transition. So in Gingy is sponsoring this, this episode, a matter of fact, and they are the original innovator of the original toe sock. Uh, everyone knows I love my Gingies and I took them to Superior. I've taken them to all my races this year. I'm taking, I'm going to be wearing them for real this year, whether it's raining or it's dry for me, they just work good, you know, and I can, I can do different things. So they have this cool max eco made fiber that wicks out the moisture, which if it's a sweaty day, it'll just wick your feet dry. Uh, and they got the five finger design. So they have got a new Merino wool variety. They got sock liner varieties for more like heavy duty or backpacking. So a lot of options and a lot of different materials now. So whether you're you're running, you're hiking, fast packing, you're hitting the gym, or just every day, uh, your feet take a beating and they deserve to be pampered. So treat your feet to the comfort of Njinji toe socks. You can go to the website at njinji.com backslash mile 99 and grab your 15% inflation fighting discount code right now to get some socks. Get them for Christmas, get them for every month. That's the story with our, uh, with that. And we go back to the show. I need more in Jesus. I might buy some before my next race too. They got some new, the new wool ones. And I like them. I used to wear Merino wool and they were pretty good socks too. So anyway, in during COVID, you did a lot of races, but then there was this kind of a break 2019, 2021. You kind of, you didn't do a lot of races. A lot of us in COVID didn't do a lot of stuff. We kind of looked at our life and, and did different things and wondered what we're doing. And you ended up with a whole new sport that you fell in love with. Let's get into a little bit of that. So you've been cruising around the oceans. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, um, I, I, I did a lot of whale watching, you know, I live, I moved to Dana points, like a, a beach city. And, um, I, I do a lot of whale watching out here and, um, I, they actually had an annual pass where you could, you know, uh, pay 450 bucks and you could go on as many rides as you wanted. It was kind of like a COVID thing. Uh, so I did that for two years in a row and I loved it. And I saw so much cool stuff out here that I didn't even know was out here. And uh, one day we were out on a, on a trip and uh, there was a blue whale out in there and there, and there are a couple of boats and we're all watching this blue whale. And then out of nowhere, this dude on a paddleboard, stand up paddleboard shows up and I'm going, we're a couple of miles offshore. Where'd this guy show up from? And I, my, I honestly thought like he was on a boat, you know, you, you know how you see like those speed boats or sailboats come through and they have the paddle boards mounted on the bow or on the side. I thought, oh, he must have just came out, you know, came out the swim deck and got his paddle board. <laughs> but no, he paddled from shore. He, is it, I ended up talking to him later and find out who he was. And, and I was like, wow, that and that like that planted the seed. I was like, OK, you know, I come from an endurance sport background. If I can get the hang of this paddleboarding thing which is, which, which is no small feat. Okay. Cause I had terrible balance. I can tell you that right now. I'm terrible balance. I, I never did yoga or anything for that reason, but I was like, if I get the hang of this, um, you know, and I could put that endurance background to work, 
you know, I can see, I can see all this cool stuff we're seeing out here from a paddleboard, from the vantage of a paddleboard, which I think would be like amazing. Um, so two years later from that moment, um, I got, I, I really got into paddleboarding, you know, just like I, I did a tough race in July called Tushers, um, kicked my butt and I, and I was, and I was like done running for a little while. So I needed a break. Right. So I picked up a paddleboard and started, you know, going out of Dana Point every day. And uh, I've kind of a obsessive personality when I when I get into something, I really kind of take the bull by the horns. And I was out there every day, got a coach, um, wanted to make sure I learned how to do it right. And um, it's become my new passion. Yeah. yeah, I think, you know, what getting a coach is always a trick. When I when I start a sport, I just pay the money because you can cut off years of 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 bad stuff happening by just getting a little bit of advice, even like five or 10 sessions, you know, it's a smart idea. So how, when you start now, isn't it a lot of waves and breakers? I mean, how do you get past that or, and it evens out when you get out there? Uh, well, the waves and the breakers depend on the ocean conditions. Um, so yeah, sometimes you have some swell, sometimes you have some waves to, you know, some chalk to get through, but sometimes um, you have days where they're just beautiful, where it's like as flat as a lake for miles and miles and miles and, you know, for hours and hours and hours. So the conditions vary um, during, depending on the time of the year and, and the weather conditions. Um, but in, they, they make, they have different board types, just like they, you know, just like you have a pair of road shoes that you want to run your marathon in. You have a pair of uh, race shoes that, you know, you wear on race day or a pair of trail shoes that you take out into the mountains. It's the same thing with paddle boards. They make paddle boards that are good for flat water and they make paddle boards that excel in the ocean in an ocean conditions. So part of that coaching experience was learning how to, you know, understand the ocean conditions and understand to make sure I had the right type of board to be out there um, to deal with those ocean conditions. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty impressive. And so have you been in adverse conditions? I mean, do you, how many hours are you out and, you have to look like when we were running, we look at the weather, make sure we're not running into a storm because you, you can't get into a storm on the ocean. You'd be, yeah, yeah you'd be, you'd be SOL on a paddleboard, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so a couple of, a couple of precautions that I've taken over the years. Um, one, um, I always have a leash on, you know, that, that, that keeps my, my body attached to my board and your board is the best flotation device that you have. Cause that's not going to sink. Right. Um, so having that leash is imperative. And then the other piece of equipment I picked up was um, a, a handheld VHF radio. So out there in, in, in the ocean, all the boats communicate via marine radio, just standard VHF marine radio. And they're all equipped. Every boat out there is equipped to listen to channel 16, which is like the distress channel. So the Coast Guard is monitoring channel 16 from the shore. Um, and all the vessels that are happen to be out there are monitoring 16 by default. So um, it's, it's actually better than having like a spot or a personal locator beacon because those things are called SOS, but then they got to come find you. They got to contact other authorities. I mean, it could take hours as opposed to a little handheld radio. You can call a boat that's three miles away from you to come, you know, help you out. So, so that's, so that, and then what you said about ocean weather, definitely. I, I, I look at the weather report, not only the night before, but like the hour before I go out <laughs> to make, just to see what wind conditions are like and see if there's going to be any surprises out there. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Things can change. I've seen your Instagram 
your your and you have some great pictures of, of dolphins and whales. What kind of stuff have you seen out there? Oh man, I've seen some cool stuff, man. <laughs> this year has been like really kind of a fun year, especially just like in the last two months. So um the coolest thing I've ever seen out there was a blue whale, which a blue whale is the largest mammal that's ever been on this earth. And um, I just, I, I, they, they, they come out in the orange County. They they're here during certain times of the year, like in, um, you know, June and July, sometimes August and September. And uh, I had gone out a few miles. I knew they were out there. I was looking for them. um, But one came up right next to me, just surfaced right next to me. And it was breathtaking. Like, to this day, probably like one of the top three moments of my life. It was, it was such an experience, man. It was such an experience to wow. be out there. Yeah. That's Alone. No, no, no boats out there. There was nobody else out there. It was just me. I was five miles offshore. And then this, this, this whale just comes up and he was like, he took a, he took a, an interest in me too, which was cool. You know, they, people talk about that whole connection between animals and humans. And, you know, this whale could have, gone his way he's much faster than i am he can go underwater um but he stuck around me he would just come up and breathe and he would come up next to me like every five minutes like clockwork for about an hour he would just come up right next to me um just kind of checking me out just as much as i was checking him out <laughs> so he's yeah. probably at home telling his buddies i saw this human dude he was like <laughs> way out there yeah, he's probably on his own podcast right now. <laughs> like, yeah, like some, some well cast is out there. Yeah, this guy was way out there. He kept looking at me for like an hour. <laughs> he looked like John Travolta. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. Uh, yeah. So, are you doing this by yourself, or you got a you got a, like a paddle crew, or like a posse, or how does this work? Well, you know, so I, I do train, I train with a, um, there's a, there's a group called Ocean Academy and that's local in Orange County that I, that I train with uh, occasionally, but typically when I go out on these like expeditions, I, 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 I pretty much go solo, um, for a couple of reasons. One, cause I really can't find a lot of people that are crazy enough or fit enough to do what I like to do out there. Um, and, and then two, I kind of like having the, uh, it's like I told you at the beginning of this interview, like. I like the solitude. I like the quiet, you know, and I, I like just nothing out there except the sound of my paddle hitting the water. Um, and I, you know, I don't, I don't want to, I don't always enjoy being out there with somebody and being chatty and everything. I just kind of just want to enjoy the serenity of it all, you know? So that's amazing. Cause even if you're on a boat, you still have a boat, but if yeah. you're out there, there's no wind in the trees. There's no distant highway. I mean, there isn't anything out there. No, there's not, there's nothing but the horizon, you know, and it's good. And it's, it's beautiful, especially in the fall right now, because um, I don't know how familiar you are with Orange County, but uh, Catalina Island is about 40 miles off of offshore from here. And uh, during the summer, it's always hidden like in the marine layer. But right now it's beautiful. Like it feels like it's the, like, it's so clear. You literally could feel like you could go out there and touch it. And like some days are just so beautiful. So calm. You're just like, man, I just want to keep going all the way to Catalina. <laughs> you know, I'll figure it out. And so uh, but, can, can you do that? I mean, can you go across to Catalina Island? Uh, you can. And, and I have before, but uh, you don't want to, you don't want to do that because the thing about going to Catalina is you cross major shipping lanes, which are pretty, which could be pretty dangerous. So um, I've, 
the one time I did do the Catalina Channel Traverse, I, a running buddy of mine, uh, Paul Sinclair, actually, who's run Rio de Lago a number of times, um, he, he has a boat and he, he he's very familiar with boating and going to Catalina. And uh, we would, um, so I, I hit him up and we made a weekend of it. So check this out. What we did is we, we went out to Catalina Island at the Isthmus on a Friday. We ran Friday, we ran Saturday, just explored Catalina and um, there at the Isthmus. And then Sunday, I made a run for it from the Isthmus back to uh, San Pedro and crossed the channel. It was about 25 miles. Um, and he just followed me in his boat to make sure, you know, he was kind of my safety, you know, making sure I was all right, making sure we were clear of the boats, uh, making sure I was navigating the correct way. And wow. so that was really cool. Uh, is there like rules like uh, like up here, you know, the mountain bikers are go over here, the runners go over there. Is there like a, you know, you're just not supposed to go certain places like or is it official? You're not supposed to go certain places or how does that work? Um, in the U.S., there's really no no rules that I know of. Um, you could pretty much go, uh, you just have to, you just want to be safe about it. Be, I mean, because you see those big container ships, they're, they're huge, right? They're yeah. like, <laughs> they're like, they're like a football field. So they're not going to see you on a paddleboard and they're not going to be able to have the agility to move or get out of your way. So it's really, you need to stay out of their way. <laughs> even though, yeah, yeah. Even though oh yeah. You could get, you could get sucked in. Yeah. You don't want, you want, you don't want to be anywhere near one of those things for sure. Now, Greg has put on the screen here uh, your your videos of you paddling out there on the horizon and seeing the seeing the blue well. Yeah, that's there. it. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Look at look at him. He's right next to me. I mean, he, yeah. Well, your head was in the shot. He's probably thirty feet away from you. Oh, he was he was closer than that, man. There was he 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 was like within arm's reach from me. I literally um, put the GoPro underwater at one point. Oh yeah, there it is, right there. Oh, perfect. And it, yeah. Wow, that is crazy. You see this whole, the video shows the whole thing swimming through there. Yeah. Uh, that is crazy. That's it's pretty, it's just amazing. Uh, pretty amazing to see that. And he could have, he could have killed you. I mean, it was, your life was, was, was in his hands at that, at that moment. You know, you're not, you know, there, there, there was some risk. I mean, there's, there is some risk, you know, yeah. If he decided to do something crazy like breach or like, you know, you know, slap me with his tail, you know, because whales will do that. They, they they'll, uh, they'll, they'll tail lob you, you know, they'll, you know, that's, that's a risk, but um, I felt like it was a low risk and the reward was much greater. <laughs> so I didn't have yeah. any, yeah. you know, I mean, that's just seeing that's crazy, you know? Yeah. yeah. So are there, are there races like paddle races? There are. Yeah. So that's a great question. So there are paddleboard races that are just like running races. They're, they're really fun events and they have, they have short events and uh, long events. And um, they actually have a race up in, um, they had a race this, this year. Um, I think it was in the June timeframe where they cross Lake Tahoe, just kind of yeah. cool. Yeah. And they have a similar one up in Washington where they cross, like um, they go from like Tacoma to Port Townsend. You can ah. cross the, Pu the Puget Sound. Though, I mean, these are like, these are like the longer, more endurance races, you know, they're, that I, I can relate to ultra running, but then, you know, they have shorter stuff too, that they do all the time, you know, local oh, beaches. Yeah. There's that. no like floating aid station. Is there like a boat that with a tent with some grilled cheese or something or what? Oh no, no, you're on, you're on your own. Um, <laughs> you're you're, you're saying so you need to be self-sufficient. Yeah. Just like it's a self-supported training run. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. crazy. And you have a backpack or like gear. 
No, you, you know, yeah. like a little cargo area. Yeah, you know, um, I'll usually bring, yeah, I'll usually bring some snacks with me, like just like for ultra running. You know, I I eat the same stuff when I'm out there. I, you know, I do cliff blocks and uh, I still actually use my old 2012 Ultimate Direction bottle is my go to uh, <laughs> bottle. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's, that's great. So I definitely, I've tried, you know, paddleboarding uh, a few times and the balance saying, after like five times, I'm like, I don't know, you got to get used to it, the whole balancing thing. But maybe it's about the board. You know, like you said, that there's different boards now. So, you know, getting a trainer and kind of walk you through yeah. the type of thing you're interested in doing. REI locally has paddleboard classes at Lake Natoma. So local folks can uh, jump into Lake Natoma and take classes down there if they're interested. Yeah. Yeah, two, there are two things that I learned. One, one was definitely the board type, right? So I started out on a really wide board, like 30 inches wide. Um, and it was probably like 11 feet long. Um, and that's kind of where I got my bearings. But now I'm on a board that's 14 feet long and 25 inches wide. Um, and it feels great out there. Um, but the uh, it's just, you know, so you just, your balance gets better the more you go out there. And, um, but another thing that I, I got was, uh, they have these things called balance boards. Um, I think Indo board is the company I, that makes them, but there's, 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 there's generic companies as well. And it's basically like a, a roller pin and a short board that's maybe like two, two or three feet long. And it sits on the board and you stand on it and it kind of mimics what you would feel paddling. Mm-hmm. And you just kind of try to balance and you get the same paddleboarding stance and you kind of just sit there and try to balance and go left to right and stay upright um yeah i could do it while i'm podcasting could be here you, know? <laughs> you will make us seasick but i think that's what brian tortoise around here uses a lot he uses he those balancing brian on instagram and brian tortoise um he's always like on those boards with seven basketballs on his head and twirling around <laughs> and he is the best balance so i can vouch i've seen how much better you get from using those things. (laughs) I'm certainly inspired. I have an Indo board and I just did get a inflatable uh, paddle board. I haven't used it. Okay. So I'm excited though. I think that'll be really cool cross training. Like you mentioned, I think it's really important for us uh, that tend to do a lot of, uh, you know, running and walking and hiking on our feet just to try different things and just different movements in our bodies. And uh, yeah, it sounds like it's been working awesome for you. You, you know what, Greg, it's, uh, that's an interesting point. And I will say it's it's been one of the best cross-training sports I've ever done. I mean, uh, it supersedes biking because my, my recovery time is much faster. And man, it builds your core so crazy. My, my shoulders, my chest, and my core um, have gotten so much stronger the last year. Uh, and that's really uh, translated to to running. Um, and I've I've been in like you know we talked about Vermont earlier, and you know I wasn't doing a lot of big long running weeks. I wasn't doing fifty mile runs. I wasn't doing even fifty mile weeks. <laughs> but I was doing a lot of paddleboarding, and it was amazing how much that actually translated to to running. You know, so it's I, I definitely recommend it as a as a you know for runners as a great cross training train activity. But I also recommend, you know, uh, I, I pushing yourselves, you know, it's fun to go out there and dilly dally for three miles in Lake Natoma. But I, you know, I recommend if you really want to get the benefits of pushing yourselves to the point where you can do eight to 10 miles and break a sweat 
get into that technique. You know, I can recommend some good videos, you know, to teach you technique. Um, but yeah, it's great, great cross training. Awesome. I can't wait. Yeah. I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited. Yeah. I'm not, haven't really done a lot of water stuff. So I think it'll be a, just kind of a new, new way to kind of train my brain too, to do different things. Um, and one of the other things that, uh, you know, we moving back to land a little bit that we also were super intrigued by, uh, that you had told us about was some of the just fast packing and mountaineering and, and other things. I mean, you, you also have those skills. It looks like to be able to handle, you know, Mount Whitney, uh, very frequent time, like over 10 times at this point. Um, is that right? Yeah. In fact, my, my girlfriend and I just hit Mount Whitney last weekend. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, what keeps nice drawing you what what draws you back to that all the time then oh i don't know i just like that mountain i don't know i can't explain it i have a you know i i'm, I'm a i'm a creature of habit i guess <laughs> and you know you just go on you go on the recreation.gov website you know they have a lottery system it's kind of hard to get permits for but if you go on the recreation.gov website and you have flexible schedule people unload permits all the time so we mm. were just you know I think we we're at dinner or something. We we're just lying around and we we're like, Hey, what do you about think about doing Mount Whitney? We went on there and found two permits for Saturday. And we got the, we basically got the permits on Thursday, you know, so <laughs> we would have made a weekend out of it. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Spur of the moment. Yeah. That's yeah. Funny. Yeah. Um, and I mean, you've done, yeah. So some really cool stuff up in the Pacific Northwest too. I mean, the Wonderland trail, Mount St. Helens. Um, I've seen those things. I haven't, actually done them but uh just yeah i mean it's talking about adventurous spirit i mean it doesn't look like you're limiting yourself to anything and just kind of trying to get the full range the pacific northwest is is one of those places that really appeals to me because it has everything i mean you have the cascade mountains you have you have true mountaineering peaks like you know mount hood and mount rainier um then you you have other smaller peaks that you can do um and then on top of that, you have the Puget Sound right there. Um, you know, I've never paddleboarded there, but boy, I've gone whale watching out there and they're amazing. There's like uh, orcas, killer whales um, are resident there in the Puget Sound. And I would love to go out paddleboarding out there. I, that'd be a great place just to be because you got the best of both worlds. You got the ocean, you got the paddling adventures, and then you have the mountains and you have the wildlife. They got mountain goats up there. We don't have those here in California, unfortunately. <laughs> mm. So yeah. are, we, are, we, are we talking about a future move at some point, maybe? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm not going to rule it out. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. It is a lot colder up there. It can be gloomier from what I hear. So right now, yeah. it'll, it'll it'll be like a yearly vacation right now. <laughs> yeah, vacation. yeah. And so have you like actually gotten into like technical climbing as well? Um, I've experimented with it. Um, you know, I mean, I, I, I've, I've done things that require an ice axe and crampons, but I've never done things that require serious roping, um, getting, you know, rope, you know, like, like Mont Blanc or even, uh, Mount Rainier, you know, they'll have teams of like five or six people and they'll all rope up for safety. So, you know, if there's crevasse danger, you know, you have, you have, you have five people behind you that can like make sure you don't fall in the crevasse, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I haven't done a whole lot of that, um, but I've done, I've done basic stuff that requires crampons and ice axe, I guess. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. That's about the level I've done too. I've never really done yeah. any super technical stuff, but we would use that stuff occasionally in New Hampshire in the wintertime, just in case. Just in case. Yeah, it's good, good to go. And a helmet. Don't forget the helmet. That's a I almost that was the one thing that. Yeah, we never <laughs> we actually never had those back, but these days it seems like there's a much bigger um you know realization that that's just an absolute must when you're out there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so cool. Um, and I saw that you also have uh been to the Grand Canyon. Was that sort of like a, a hike, a run? Uh, what sort of adventure did you have there? Yeah, that's another one of those things that I think as I got into ultra running became like kind of like a like it felt like a rite of passage. You know, you had to go do the rim to rim to rim, you know, run from the south rim to the north rim and back, you know, across the Grand Canyon. It just seemed like one of those things. And um, that's another thing that I I enjoy going back doing every every year or two just because it's such a it's a great adventure it's a and it, the you know the scenery no matter how many times you see it you know once you get in the bottom of the canyon you look up at those walls it just takes your breath away it's just just one of those amazing things um yeah so it's something i actually would like to do next uh uh next year because my girlfriend hasn't done it yet she's an ultra runner herself mm. um and uh so we we're talking about doing that maybe in may april or may next year for sure yeah, I know there's a lot of people uh, in this area with that uh, on their mind for next year. So I'm, oh, is I'm, that right? <laughs> I'm looking forward to some some, uh, yeah. some some great stuff out there. So cool. Yeah, awesome. I've well, seen some I, uh, faces I, out there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, thanks. Thanks so much, uh, Bill. Uh, we're going to go and do a little game in a minute here with you. But uh, as we wrap oh, okay. it up, um, but I also just want to quickly jump in and talk about one of our other sponsors, and that's Inside Tracker. Uh, we've been fortunate enough to partner up with them over the last couple of months. And Inside Tracker is a company that has uh, built out some products to help us maximize our performance as we age. And to them, um, you know, age is a number, but health is a science. And we can improve our health by looking at some of the science-based uh, plans that they can make for us. Um, once we start sending them some data to work with. And the way that we do that is with a blood test and they analyze it and they can come up with uh, some of the different um, techniques that we can use to improve our performance as we age. They've developed something called InnerAge 2.0. It's a proprietary AI-driven platform. It reveals how your body is aging and provides a personalized science-based action plan to help you get younger from the inside out. I've been using this now for about six weeks or so, and I'm going to be doing another blood test in November to see how things have changed. I'm assuming if I've done my work that they will improve. I had a few areas I had to work on, uh, made some dietary changes, some exercise changes, things like that. And Inside Tracker believes that your best self isn't behind you, it's within you. And by looking at the science of your health and longevity, you can discover the personalized path to living healthier and longer. So if you want to continue doing the activities that you love with the people you love for the rest of your life, it's time to turn back the clock with InnerAge 2.0. Uh, for right now, Mile 99 listeners can take 20% off any products uh, inside uh, at the Inside Tracker website, including InnerAge 2.0. Visit InsideTracker.com slash Mile 99, that's M-I-L-E 99, and use code Mile 99 at the checkout and discover what you can with Inside Tracker. All right. Well, I hope you all take advantage of that. I've been enjoying it. They have a nice app where you can track all your progress. And like I said, we'll see what happens in November. I hope there's going to be some more good news. Over to you, Jess. 
Thank you so much, Greg, for being our test subject. Um, <laughs> Mike and I are going to um, do all of it. Um, we always partner with brands that we really believe in, um, community-based, science-driven. So we're really excited to be partnered with Inside Tracker. Bill, it's already been an hour. Can you believe it? Time flies. <laughs> and we're going to have some more fun. So I'm going to do our rapid fire questionnaire to wrap this all up. Are you ready? Go for it. Yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> okay. Running or paddle boarding? Paddle boarding. <gasps> we love it. Okay, we love Bless it. me. Huh? I know. I'm, a, no, we I'm love on a running it. podcast. <laughs> You know what? I think we are evolving to, yeah, we all run, but like, what else do we do? We've had people with boxing careers. We've had people who just do like fast packing and mountaineering. So you're in good company with that. <laughs> um, what's your favorite like post, post race, post adventure, post paddle boarding session meal? Um, <laughs> I mean, a burger, man. <laughs> like what kind? Like, are we talking like a big burger, cheese, full? Yeah, it's like your standard double, double standard double bacon cheeseburger. Yeah, it's oh, all bacon. I require. Cool. Oh, yeah. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. I love bacon. <laughs> we talked about some things, but can you tell us any of your bucket list races or events? Oh yeah, um, definitely. I I still want to go to Patagonia and do like the W No Tracks um, and tour it up. Pain uh park um gosh i really want to do that it's definitely on my list and and i also uh want to go out and do um tokyo marathon i, I still need to cross that off um just need to, you know some lottery luck <laughs> there we go and then this is our most controversial one so if you need to take a minute to think about it but let us know cats or dogs dogs Oops, oh wow. that was quick i <laughs> love it you didn't offend me because I have both, but there's someone on the show who has like four cats. So, okay. <laughs> well, Bill, thank you so much um, for everyone who's listening. Thank you for tuning in. We enjoy the company on a Wednesday. Uh, we have four episodes left of this season of the year, which seems crazy. Stay tuned in. We have some really awesome guests coming up. As always, we're deeply thankful for our Patreon and Venmo supporters. And if you're new here, our social media handle is at the Mile 99 Interview across all platforms. We've made it very easy. Make sure to give us a follow or rate and review this podcast if you're listening to it. Facebook, Instagram, Instagram, Venmo, and Patreon, the Mile 99 Interview. Um, I hope you all enjoy the end of your October, whether that's finding a new sport, hoarding some candy. But uh, as always, we'll see you guys on the trail. Thanks for tuning in. Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Thanks for having me. See ya.